Well, friends, here we are today celebrating uh, what's commonly known as a requiem mass. And the word requiem comes from the first uh, words of this liturgy, requiem eternem dona is domine, which if you don't know your Latin means, grant them eternal rest, O Lord, requiem, grant them eternal rest, O Lord, and let light perpetual shine upon them. It's an old prayer. It's an old form of prayer, and it can be used as a corporate form of worship like we are doing today, uh, where you remember the souls of all the faithful departed. If you look at the cover of your Requiem bulletin, you'll see that's exactly what's going on here. This is a Requiem Mass celebrated in an Anglican church uh, after the First World War. If you're curious, you can look at the, after the sermon's done, look at the uh, description on the inside cover. And if you notice, it's a requiem mass being said for all the, all the soldiers who died in the war, but not just the great war, the war to end all wars, as if, but rather it was the, all the British uh, military who had died before. If you look at the lowest levels to the bottom of the mass here, the altar, you'll see soldiers from the First World War very clearly. And as you look further and further up into the cloud, the great cloud of witnesses, they become less and less clear. And those are also, you'll see, knights and all sorts of people up in there. But the point being, what that picture is, is a, it is a painting of a requiem mass, and it's called the place of meeting. And the place of meeting is not a house or a uh, cracker barrel. It's, a, it's the altar, where we are worshiping not only for, but all, we are praying for, but also worshiping with those who have gone on before. That's what a requiem mass is. It's an opportunity for us to pray for all the souls of the faithful departed. May they rest in peace and rise in glory. But, you know, I still haven't answered the question. Why do we do it? It's actually a really good question, and theologians have argued whether or not this is even something appropriate at all. It's a very good question, but let me first say what we're, first of all, what we are not doing. What we are not doing this morning at a requiem mass is we are not praying people into heaven. We are not doing that. We are are not praying people into heaven. We are not praying people across the finish line. We are not praying people from some sort of unknown situation into heaven. No, because people, scripturally anyway, people are saved or not based upon their decision, their free choice to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who died on the cross to pay the price for the sins of the whole world, you and I, and every human soul that's ever existed. Christ offers that, his death on the cross in our place, to take those sins from us, to restore us to God, to save us. And we all have a choice to make to accept that offer or not. And those who have trusted Jesus accept and accept that gift that he's paid his death on the cross in your place and in mine, those people will be saved, we say. And of course, that's another whole question of whether you can lose it or not. But the question is still up to human free will, decision. Are you willing, are you willing, are you willing Are they willing to give their sins to Jesus or not? And sadly, most people say, no. Thanks, Jesus, but no thanks. I got this one, man. 
Ah, it's all just a bunch of phony baloney made up. Right? But here's the thing. The choice is frankly theirs and frankly yours, to accept that gift, that grace. The word grace means an undeserved gift that Christ offers to you and to me, to accept it or reject it. But the point stands, each human soul must make that decision for themselves and then live their lives with Christ as their Savior and Lord, meaning that he calls the shots. He becomes the most important thing in the world to you. So let me just be clear. What we are not doing this morning is praying someone across the line. We are not praying for people to be saved. No. That decision was finalized at the moment of their death, and that decision will be finalized for you at the moment of yours. So if we're not praying people into heaven, then what exactly are we doing? Well, let me ask you a question. What do we ever do when we pray? We pray for those who are alive— I pray for all of you. I know many of you pray for me. We pray for the president. We pray for our nation. We pray for the sick. We even pray in our prayers every Sunday. We pray for the dead. But prayer in all of its forms, listen, in all forms of prayer, living or dead, is simply this. We are, when we pray to somebody, we're saying, Lord, make them holier. I'm giving them, I'm commending them to you. All prayer, and I don't care what it is, whether you're praying for someone's recovery from cancer or sickness or illness or financial problems or kids or grandkids or fill in the blank, man. Whatever you do, whenever you pray, you are acknowledging something profoundly important that you are not in control. You are commending that person to God. Our psalm, Psalm 1 Psalm 121 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills, meaning I'm not going to be stuck here, man. I'm looking up. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where is my help to come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. In other words, this, friends, all prayer for the living or the dead serves the same purpose. It is a tacit admission that we are not in control, but that he is. It is a commendation for the, of those people living or dead to God's gracious care. And that's why a requiem mass is so important. That's because what we're doing today here for the faithful departed is no different than we do every other prayer that we make for the living. Because a requiem mass, if you pay attention to the words that the choir sings so beautifully, you know, it's all in Latin, but the translation is there. Read it. Because what the Requiem Mass teaches us is something very, very important. It is an admission for ourselves of the shortness and the transience of this life. They say there are only two things in this life, two definites in this life, death and taxes. That's not true. Only one is definite. Death is the only certainty, and that's not necessarily a negative thing if you know where you're going. Yes, we should try to live healthier lives. Yes, we should exercise, have a better quality of life. But guess what? At the end of your life, you will die, and so will I. I will never forget, when I turned 40, my best friend, uh, Chris, gave me a—his name is also Chris—gave me a, a birthday card for my 40th birthday. And on the cover was, a, was, a, was a, a, a painting or a picture of the Grim Reaper with his sickle in hand. And I opened it up, and it said—I remember it like it was yesterday. You open it up, and it said— You can run, but you can't hide. (laughs) 
That's truth. That's truth, friends. You know, many of you have never been to a requiem. You know why? Because the church is afraid to talk about this. We're afraid to scare people. It's a celebration of life. Well, it might be, but at the end of the day, we all have to face our maker. We all have to stand before the judgment seat of God and say, yeah, Lord, I accepted your gift and I strive to live my life accordingly. Or, yeah, no thanks, man. So praying for the dead, friends, what are we doing? It's no different than when we pray for the living. Because praying for the dead is an act of thanksgiving. Listen, it is an act of thanksgiving to Almighty God for the people whom he has placed in our lives, just like we do for the living. It is also prayers for the dead, commending them to his care, commending them to him over which we no longer have any control, that we are commending them to his gracious care. Essentially what we're doing, listen, is giving back to, to God those whom he had given us. At the end of the liturgy today, we'll do, you'll stand and we'll, we'll do a prayer of commendation. Well, we will do exactly this. We will commend the faithful departed to the mercy of God. We'll pray, may they rest in peace and may they rise in glory. Because see, for Christians, death, here's the thing, death is not the end. Death is not the end. For Christians, we see death is not the end. We worship with them even now. My dad, you may know, died a year and a half ago. If he is saved, and I I assume he is, given what he said to me, the fact that he loved Jesus and called him his Lord and Savior on his deathbed, I was there. And that means I'm worshiping with Tony Rodriguez right now. And if you have a loved one who's died that you're remembering here, you are worshiping with that person right now, just like this painting depicts. We say it. We will say it during the Eucharistic prayer. I will say, therefore, with angels, I'll sing it, therefore, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. Well, who might that be? All the faithful departed. But see, Christians, we don't run from this, man. We don't run and we don't hide. Because according to Scripture, death is not the end. And neither is floating on clouds playing a harp, by the way. I once made that comment on a Christmas Eve service that, uh, that I forget how it came up, but I made a comment about people conceive of death as being on a, floating on a cloud playing a harp. And uh, I said, how boring would that be? And there was a harpist here who got really upset with me. Sorry. But here's the thing, right? Right now, right now, we are in something known as the intermediate state between death on this life, on this world, and the resurrection from the dead. Remember, you did not exist before. You were, you, human beings are always corporeal beings. You did not exist as like an angel on a planet somewhere, like the Mormons believe, that became a person when you were conceived. No. You did not exist, period, except maybe in the mind of God, until you were conceived. Your body, human beings are physical. And what Jesus tells us is this, that when he returns, when he returns to judge the living and the dead, the dead, your friends, your parents, your children that you've lost, the ones that you have commended to Almighty God today, according to Jesus, they will be raised from the dead, resurrected with new physical bodies that don't age and don't die. Heaven, friends, is physical. And Christ says that when he returns, the dead shall be resurrected. And we will spend eternity with him in a new, reconstituted Eden. It's astounding. The Bible's a great big circle. It starts with Eden, and then the fall, and it lands up in, in Revelation back in a reconstituted Eden, heaven, with Christ 
at the center, Jesus the Lamb on his throne. So friends, today we wait for Christ's return. We commend those who have died to his care. We trust them to him because, frankly, we've got nothing else to do. And those who choose to walk with him, he will raise them from the dead. And those who choose to walk away, who say thanks but no thanks, Jesus will, terrifyingly, God will honor their wish. And they will spend eternity without him, just as they asked. Friends, don't you see a requiem is a chance. One of the many chances we get every day of this, of this life to think about our lives, to consider how short it is, how transient life is, how delicate it is, how it can change on a dime. To realize that we don't have a whole lot of control here, but that's okay because we worship a God who does, you see. To thank God for the people whom he has placed in our lives, and to be reminded that we all have a choice to make, every single one of us. Do I really trust Jesus to save me? Or am I really learning to just, am I really just leaning on myself? But friends, ultimately a requiem today is about hope. It is about hope. We press on, Paul says. We press on because we know that when Christ returns, those who we love who were died in the Lord will be resurrected and we will be with them once again in heaven, in a new reconstituted heaven with Christ at the center, where we will live in a new and restored Eden, where Jesus' promises to us will finally be fulfilled, where he will literally wipe away every tear from every eye and restore us to the glory to which he intended all human souls to rest in. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for all the faithful departed, for those whose lives have touched ours, to those whose lives have changed ours, to those lives you've placed in our lives to mold us and shape us. We thank you, Lord, for those people that you've given to us. We pray for them today, thanking you for their lives and reminding ourselves that life is short but our joy is in the resurrection, and for that we wait. We wait and we hope. Until then, we pray, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.